0: well what am i supposed to do you won't answer my calls you change your number you won't listen to my podcast i mean i'm not gonna let my podcast be ignored listener fatal traction is coming up next
1: haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenig. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, I believe that's myself. Tommy, you have seen Fatal Attraction, correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the first time I saw this was earlier this year. But, you know, we're continuing our Michael Douglas uh, sex movie capades. We did uh, Basic Instinct earlier this year, and this is the second one. I like this movie a lot, too. So,
1: (laughs) The Michael Douglas sex thriller trilogy it's quite a it's it's not the trilogy you'd think michael douglas would make but he has it it's part of his legacy
0: yeah <laughs> all the rock thrillers that michael Douglas was a part of so uh you know we thank him for that it was uh led to some interesting movies so tommy before we
1: dive deeper into fatal attraction you know we like to support movie theaters on this podcast have you gone to the movies lately did you see yeah. anything good
0: Yeah, so uh, about a week ago, I went to go see uh, the horror movie making news around the area, uh, Terrifier 2. Um, Mm -hmm. I have never seen the first Terrifier. I heard it's okay, but this was one of the most bonkers, like, batshit movies I've ever seen in my life. And it was such a fun screening because it's one of those movies that, like, is so goddamn gory. Like, there's a scene where a character gets scalped and then gets poured bleach all over them and stuff like that, while a clown is, like, maniacally killing them. And even me as Mr. Har, who loves the horror movies, I was just like, oh my God, people throughout the movie theater were just like screaming, like, holy shit, what the fuck? So I mean there's been news reports uh about people like passing out and like fucking like you know vomiting in the movie theater. And it's one of those things that like I can see why people were fucking vomiting during this movie.
1: Did you did you vomit during I the didn't, movie, Tommy?
0: I didn't vomit. I didn't vomit. So thankfully I was able to keep it in. But there's a lot of points where I just winced. I was like, oh holy fuck.
1: Yeah. Uh, I went and saw The Fablemans this week in the new Steven Spielberg family film, um, which based on Spielberg's life uh, as a child, him getting into film and his parents' affair. Uh, weird choice that they pick Seth Rogen out of all the Jewish guys to be the love interest for Michelle Williams for the mom. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could find a better looking guy than Seth Rogen for that part. <laughs>
0: Just out on Seth Rogen right there. Well,
1: I, I'm not out on Seth Rogen as a performer. I'm out on him as like being... Romantically. A, the romantic... Yeah, it's like it works and Knocked Up, right? Because the joke yep. is, is that Catherine Heigl's messed up out of her brains and just goes home with him, thinks she'll never see him again, gets pregnant. That's the joke. This is like Paul Dano plays the dad. Who He's fantastic in this, by the way. Mm. And he goes like he's his best friend Seth Rogen and he's just been sleeping with uh with the wife the whole like pretty much the whole time and it's uh yeah it's it's, it's cool the way that, that it's like uncovered discovered and like the actions of it like really great performances um definitely I feel like in a lot of the later Spielberg stuff it's either he's been really involved in it like West Side Story you felt that he was on the set versus Ready Player 1 where they're like Steven here's $50 million to just put your name as the director, show up on set for a couple of days, say you directed and just CGI artists do everything else. <laughs> that That's how I felt with, with that. Like, cause he, he starts doing like two or three movies at a time. Like, you know, his time's got to be delegated. Like this was very personal to him. You could feel that. Also, there's quite literally the greatest cameo of all time in this movie. Do you want to know who the person is that, makes the cameo I, tommy
0: you can't you can't you can't spoil it yeah i haven't seen the movie yet so i still got experience it's just this myself it's, it's it's
1: david lynch tommy david lynch makes a cameo <laughs> in this movie and i like sat up was this in like my immediately seat. 10 out of 10 i was i was like <laughs> school i was like Ooh, and i'm just i'm sitting in a new york city movie theater with all these older couples and, like, I'm the only person who's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh.
0: It's David Lynch. It's David ah, Lynch. It's, it's,
1: it's the guy. It's the guy. He made Twin Peaks. He, he did Mulholland Drive. And no, <laughs> nobody cared. They kicked me out of the theater for yelling. It was really uh, not a great situation. Oh, but yeah. no, no, that, that didn't happen. But Fable Vins, like, probably one of Spielberg's best movies post uh, Catch Me If You Can. So, mm-hmm. po- like, t- past 20 years or so. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. I want to give it like a four out of five, like really dramatic, like really cool sequences. Like you just forget that, like that man just knows how to, he's so good at blocking and he's so good at executing, like the way his camera movement works. Yeah. He is the master. (laughs) He is quite literally the master. So go see the Fablemans. Don't spend your money on Black Adam. Go
0: see the Fablemans. That's my recommendation. And if you like gore movies, go see Terrifier 2. <laughs> I'd even
1: say go support Terrifier 2, because I think it's kind of cool that that movie just even exists, that somebody gave this guy all this money to make something that's like as disturbed as humanly possible. I think that's kind of sick. <laughs> it's it's kind of disturbed, honest. but
0: this, but it works out. So I don't know. I, I liked it. I dug it. And it had a great synth score. I love 80s synth score. So you can't go wrong with that.
1: <laughs> Tommy and I saw wildly different movies this weekend, is basically what we're trying to tell you. But we yeah. did watch one common movie. Which is Fatal Attraction.
0: Fatal Attraction. Gene Shallot of the Today Show calls it one of the most gripping. Do you have an affair with her? Chilling. I'm not gonna be ignored! Romantic movies in years. And Joel Siegel of Good Morning America says it's a steamy, sexy, suspense-filled, sensational movie. <laughs> Michael Douglas. <laughs> what if she didn't get it out of her system? What then? Glenn Close. <laughs> Attraction. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you.
1: We watched the second of the Michael Douglas sex thriller trilogy this week with Fatal Attraction. Well, technically Michael, this is the first. Michael Douglas plays Dan, <laughs> a man who had a lucid affair out of boredom one weekend when his wife is out of town. This movie has one lesson. Don't stick your dick in crazy. <laughs>
0: Jesus I, I, so I mean...
1: I mean, that that is the moral of the movie. Uh, If you want to just, if you're happily married and you have no reason to have an affair, don't do it because this is what could happen to you. You could have a crazy stalker.
0: This is why I love uh, that Glenn Coase. apparently like for uh, for years now, people still come up to her and say, thank thank you, Glenn Coast. You saved my marriage. Like, I didn't cheat on my wife because of you and Fatal Attraction. Which is kind of like a weird complaint where it's like you played such a like terrifying person that I was scared of like I could have an affair, but this could happen to me.
1: <laughs> Do you think Glenn Close like goes to her therapist and it's just like I had another four people? It's been it's been almost forty years and people are still coming up to me telling me they that I saved their marriage. I, <laughs> she I, probably I don't hates understand it. Oh at this I wonder if it's like She likes it at first because she's getting a lot of recognition for the performance. Then, like, five years later, it's like, I'm done. I'm the movie's done. I'm sick of hearing this movie about this movie. And then, like, 30 years later, it just turned it's like almost endearing at this point that the fact that the movie has lasted this long in the public conscious and people still go to her about their marriage, like, people just. Hey Glenn, I know you're online for the bathroom, but I really wanted to say thank you for saving my marriage if I wasn't sure <laughs> who what crazy woman I'd be hooking up with. and I just thought of you. So thank you.
0: well, she probably kind of hates it a little bit because, like she took this very seriously. Like when she was finally secured the part of Alex, it was a real, like hard uh, road for her to get this role because previously before this, she was known more more for, like motherly roles. and uh, people thought like, oh, Glenn Close couldn't play, like, sexy or whatever. Like, she is in the first part of this movie. But she uh, got the script, and she took it to two different psychiatrists, and, like, she studied it with them, being like, is this behavior possible? And if it is, why? She pretty much just did a lot of research. She took it very seriously. So the fact that people are coming up to her and be like, you're so crazy that I didn't uh, cheat on my wife. Thanks, Glenn Close. She's like, oh, God, fuck you. (laughs)
1: Well, no, then I then maybe it's like a testament. It's like she did all that work and she's still hearing about her performance. I mean, she did do her job. She did it incredibly well. Mm -hmm. I want to say she's better than Sharon Stone because we're gonna probably make callbacks to Basic
0: Instinct. Yeah. So this was first. uh, This was like eighty-seven, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, it's nineteen eighty-seven. And Basic Instinct was ninety-two. So both these movies are celebrating big anniversaries. Uh, The thirty-fifth for uh, Fatal and twenty-fifth for or thirtieth rather for uh, fatal but apparently Sharon Stone was up for the part of uh, Alex in this movie and She would have been too young at the time and it wouldn't have made she sense
1: Would have been way too young Yeah I, I think there's something about Like the maturity of mm. Alex Where Michael Douglas probably You know in his head Is thinking like okay this woman's in her mid-30s She gets the deal Right like she knows yeah. she knows I'm married My wife's out of town I Only thing I have to do is take care Of the dog Okay, let's go out, right? Like, let's like, see what happens. Uh, let's see what happens. Why? Why not?
0: If you had like a Elizabeth Shue was apparently also up for this role, it would have been played a much different kind of like tone to it, where it just would have been like, oh, like this older guy kind of taking advantage of this young a naive younger, girl who doesn't who then, understand, you know, and
1: and then goes kind of crazy because of it, where it feels like Glenn Close at this, you know, Alex at this point in her life would get the deal, like if she wants to go out with a married man. She actually even says in one of the scenes, she's like, why are all the interesting men uh, married? And um, I think it's just, it's an interesting way of that the dynamic is established, even though Alex doesn't necessarily realize that when they're having dinner during that weekend. Mm. Just a nice little back and forth that they have just shows a little bit of the chemistry that Douglas and Close have as well.
0: And why is it that all the interesting guys are always married?
1: Well, maybe that's why you find them interesting, the fact you can't have them.
0: How long have you been married? Nine years.
1: Do you have any kids? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Got a six-year-old girl.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, I'm lucky. So what are you doing here? I just don't think it's possible, It's
0: really strange. I feel like
1: I know you already. I just want to know where I stand. I think you're terrific. But I'm married. What can I say? I- She is obviously wanting more out of the relationship and it's kind of even indicated in that conversation, but he's like making it very abundantly clear that this is all it's going to be is this mm. weekend. It's, it's a, it's an anomaly of a weekend. His wife's not in town so he can and of just so happened to fall into his lap that this opportunity was there. So he mm. was like, yeah, I might as well. Why, why not? Why not live a little I mean, he's it's, what, a piece of shit for it.
0: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean, what I do like about this movie is that like there's an immediate spark between the two characters right there, where you could almost see them in like a more cheerful romantic comedy version of this or something like that. And you know, if the chemistry wasn't there between the two characters, this movie wouldn't work and it wouldn't be like why did he just go immediately to Glenn Close or whatever? It, would, it wouldn't make sense. And this movie, in a lot of ways, is kind of like a little bit of like a pressure cooker right here, mm-hmm. where it takes. I, I, I pause it specifically when the first time when like Alex starts to show cracks and it takes about like 30 minutes into the movie to get into it where like the first third almost just seems like a meat, cute, cute like romantic comedy kind of except you know he's cheating on his wife that's the only thing that's a little bit bad
1: <laughs> depends who you ask Tommy somebody probably finds that part cute
0: hmm. well exactly but so it's just one of those things that like you know you almost think like you know it works that she's a much older older character in her mid 30s because like she's more direct and, and a lot of points in the beginning where she's just like Come on, come see me. Like, come hang out. Like, I want to go see you. Is that so bad? I just want to know where we stand. If it was a younger character, I don't think that would have worked as well.
1: No, definitely not. <clears throat> and when they hang out, like that first night, like they hook up in her apartment, they go out dancing, and then they hook up in an elevator. Like, mm. you know, kind of pretty wild weekend there for for a family man like Dan Gallagher. And I guess you could even say that like the warning signs were there like, you know, he gets home and she immediately has his phone number and is immediately calling him there being like, hey, like, where are you? Come over. Like, he
0: should have probably at that point just been like, nope. Instead, yeah, he he pretty much just, like, pushes it a little bit too far. I mean, like, you know, Michael Douglas isn't innocent in this movie either. You know, like, the fact that, like, he brings his dog over to go hang out with Glenn Close in the park. um, You know, and just, like, makes it really great. And then, like, the, the fact that he fakes a heart attack. Like, who the fuck does that as a practical prank? Like, ha oh, ha ha, you thought I died right there.
1: <laughs> to somebody that you've met like two times before that and <laughs> spent one day intimately with. That's a, it, exactly. That is a a bit and, and of an fa- extensive uh, prank on them.
0: Yeah, and you can kind of see like a little bit of the insecurity showing up Alex right there. Where like, you know, on rewatch where she says at first like, oh, you know, my dad died from a heart attack. That's not funny. And then she... Jokes and it plays it off because she realizes that makes that Michael Douglas very uncomfortable. She's like, Oh no, I'm just joking, don't worry about it because she doesn't want to make this guy uncomfortable. She wants to attract him, and then you find out later in the movie, Wait, her dad actually did die of a heart attack, and she was just trying to play nice.
1: And just, yeah, I, I noticed that and I wanted to bring that up because I mean, he's he also starts playing equally not equally crazy, but starts playing crazy when he like breaks into her apartment. That's when he finds that out. Um, I think this is right after she. Like they're selling the apartment to move to Westchester. Him and his wife, uh Beth, who we'll get into because she's the best. She's like literally mm-hmm. cookie cutter, the greatest wife you could ever possibly imagine. And this man cheats on her. <laughs> and yeah, they they're selling their apartment in New York City to move to a house in Bedford, New York. And he walks into the house, and there sits Alex talking with Beth as an interested buyer because. He's cut off all communication with um, the, at the office. He's, I think he changed the phone number at that point too, right? Like you unlisted and changed the phone number on the house. So then she's just sitting there. Imagine getting home from work and seeing the woman you had an affair with talking with your wife. That's some scaries right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Where uh, it gets to the point where there's sometimes where it's just like, oh my God, like Michael Douglas, like you you said it earlier when we were texting about this. That Michael Douglas just like has that look on his face throughout this movie, like, especially when things get a little bit more and more, where he's just like, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> like, oh God.
1: <laughs> I, I actually had a thought. You you know, in arrested development where there's like yeah, the Job. running well, <laughs> yeah. well, there's Job, I made a huge mistake, but then there's also the running gag that the dad has where he has the one-armed guy who's <laughs> just like, that's why you don't Ice cream in the car or whatever, and yeah. he does some extensive prank. Like, this felt like one of those pranks where it's just like, the like she's gonna take her arm off and be and like pull off the wig and be like, and that's why you don't have an affair on your wife.
0: And what I love about this movie is that, like, they don't make it out to like Michael Douglas's family life to be this awful, boring thing, or his wife is just some like, you know, nag or something like that, or she's a loving person, his wife, and it's he has a loving family life, and just one of those things that's just like. You know this guy got bored and he made a mistake meeting his wife. And yeah, just... it's very
1: bl- plain, simple to the point where it's just like, okay, this guy messed up. Um, see, like I, I didn't realize at first like how old Glenn Close was when this came out. I kind of, I always like to go in pretty blank slate, and then I watch. I didn't recognize who this was at first, but like when the when the they're going out to the party, it's like the first scene of the movie. And Jane Kranzowski Kren- from Dirty Rock is the babysitter in the movie, but I didn't rec- r- realize who that was. I just saw like young blonde, and I'm like, is he about to have an affair with the babysitter? Like, like what's going to happen here? Obviously, that got she was in like literally one scene, that, and that 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 did not happen. But then I was like looking up, like who is the babysitter? She looked familiar, and it was Jane Kranzowski. So it's always funny where you see these people in the small smaller parts like because she was in uh vacation too like i think that was like one of her first movies in 84
0: yeah so i mean she was just like you know trucking along right there so i mean like i I would hate to see the version of this that's just the younger person i mean i'm trying to remember this is a movie that i feel like that's been ripped off so much and like you know there's so many uh like imitators of this like the hand that rocks the cradle which is like the nanny from hell or something like that or remember uh swim fan that movie yeah yeah yeah, where it's just like, oh, like the same thing. Or they even made like a Beyonce version of this or something like that. Whereas like yeah. Ali Larder was the person or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it the age gap feels... It's good that there's no age gap. Because with an age gap comes like a level of control that mm. like you would need to then define in the character's maturity. Uh, I think the one thing this movie didn't answer is like, what the hell is going on with Alice? she Because they meet because... Dan's a lawyer and he he represents this publishing company and she's like some editor for the publishing company like like this woman is at home in the middle of the day during work days pre-work from home like just stalking him like going into his office like is she not losing her job over this
0: (laughs) they never do touch on it I mean maybe we could assume it's just on the weekends or even then but you know I guess an editor doesn't have to be in the office all the time. I mean, that's a job you could do from home. I feel like even back in the 80s when you think about it,
1: you could. I'm not saying you couldn't do it from home. I'm saying people didn't allow people to work from home back in the 80s.
0: Yeah, well, I, it's a whole different story right there.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not really like a plot hole. It's just one yeah. of those like, huh, they. huh, and I mean, I, I think to this movie's strength is the pacing of it. I think it's really well paced. Uh, it's mm. a swift two hours, which is great in my opinion, and it and it you know it takes its time in the beginning, and then the dramatic stakes like really just start to elevate from each sequence to each sequence because it starts with her cutting her wrists, mm. like in the thing, which is like really intense. So I wasn't expecting them to like show the the wrists, and like I've never. I imagine if you're with somebody that you're at least somewhat care for and they come out cutting their wrists over you, it's very
0: heavy emotionally. And she was, like, emotionally trying to trap him right there. Where it was just oh, 100%. Like, yeah, exactly. Just like, stay with me. Come on, why don't you stay with me? Like, oh, just, like, take care of me and stuff like that. So, I mean, that was, like, the real, real, real first crack where I was like, oh, my Jesus Christ. So, I mean, the original ending to this movie, I mean, because the ending we got was... Very much of a mold of just like uh, you know Roger Ebert haired it because it was like a Friday the Thirteenth rip off he said, but and I think it works for the movie. But the original ending was going to be Alex was just going to commit suicide with the knife that Dan grabbed uh you know when he broke broke into her apartment and like strangled her, and then he was going to get framed for her murder, and um that was how it was going to end. And yeah, test audiences hated that sounds it. <laughs> like that
1: sounds like a that sounds like about a twenty five minutes more of a movie. And, hmm. uh, I don't, yeah, I think this movie wraps up nice bow, um, with the fake out drowning death and then Beth shooting, uh,
0: Alex right in the, uh, because you right need that, chest. like, you yeah. need that, like cathartic release right there. Cause like, you know, the, Ann Archer line saying like, you know, if you come near my fucking family again, I'll kill you, you know? And we, if in that original ending, we wouldn't have gotten that and this one, we need to show We need Ann Archer in the end just to show off and just like fucking shoot Glenn coast and be like, fuck you. This is my family. Stay the fuck away from them.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to talk on Ann Archer. I mean, she was great in this, too. Mm. And she goes through... Like, she like couldn't be a better wife to, to, to Dan. Like, just, oh, I'm going to take the kid for the weekend up to my parents. Oh, we found this place, right? Like, cooking mm. dinner, like... Painting the wall the walls of the new house when they move in, right? Like she's very she's just very much like affectionate, like very good to to him as a person. And mm-hmm. then in like the last half an hour when Dan finally confesses to her, because uh Glenn Close kidnaps the the child, uh what's the child's name again? Um Ellen. Yeah, and takes them to Playland. Shout out Ryan New York our hometown yeah <laughs> that's our hometown like literally that theme park is 10 minutes from from my parents house there's also a big shot there Muppets Take Manhattan and Mariah Carey's fantasy music video those are the big ones that were filmed <laughs> at Rye Playland so if you really want to see a major historical film location trek your way to Rye Playland you'll probably be disappointed by the rides but dragon coaster is pretty cool still yeah but everything else sucks
0: one, one thing i just love about like you know this movie is adrian lynn's direction i think is so great especially in that one scene where it takes place in playland where it's uh cuts between an archer's panic of like where's my kid and the music just swelling and then it oh, immediately yeah. cuts right back to playland and it's like a little peaceful but you, the way that glenn closes his face is like you know the kids like hates the fact that they're on this roller coaster right now they're not having a good time and the whole entire time just like you're it's like the little pressure cooker. We're thinking, like, is he, is she gonna kill the kid right here?
1: <laughs> yeah, and in terms of like that d- direction, um, because it it just pays so well because Dan tells uh Beth that it happens, and I I actually don't think she was going to kick him out until it came out that she was pregnant, right? Like he said that he got her pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think she was actually pregnant, Tommy? I I I, th- I think I think maybe so. I mean, I um. Didn't he like confirm it with the gynecologist or something? He said he called the gynecologist at one point and the gynecologist said, congratulations.
1: <laughs> oh, was that okay? Yeah. I wasn't sure. It wasn't super clear. Cause yeah, he was telling his friend, uh, Jimmy at work about it, like in the library. I'm like, you guys should probably be doing this conversation. You know, I know you want to set up, make the scenes more visually distinct. So you put it in the library at the law firm and not in his office that we've been to a couple of times, but maybe that conversation should be had in a, office in a private space you know (laughs) that would be my personal recommendation if i'm going to talk about the affair i had with my wife with the editor of one of our business associates that's you know (laughs) just a recommendation just a recommendation one of the other really nice tense things that the the director um what adrian lynn adrian lynn yeah one of the really nice tense moments is the way that he builds up uh, the phone calls that alex makes to dan mm. and when they move into the new house and they're moving in and like the phone starts ringing and he, you know michael douglas just says that look on his face of no you you did not find this number already right and it turns to be a fake out but i was like oh jesus is she calling already like
0: yeah <laughs> like well, it, literally moving in They focus on the phone so much throughout this movie that whenever you hear a phone ring, you immediately think, oh, my God, is that Glenn Close about just like, yo go over and over and over and over again. So it just becomes just a very tense thing where, you know, no matter what happens. I mean, this is pre-caller ID. You had no idea who was going to be on the phone when you picked up right back then. (laughs) So thank God we have that now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a hellish way to live. huh? Well, speaking of, because we did have this conversation, we should probably expand on it more. Making Fatal Attraction in 2022, which I learned today that they actually are doing. Yeah, uh, Tommy was telling me about that. But you know, because with technology, with tracking, with like so many different forms of messaging, mm. right? Like, I feel like you could do a, a good modern take on this.
0: Yeah, we're like, you know, Alex or wherever she like makes like other Instagram accounts over and over again just to like keep on like messaging him or something, mm. um, or you know, FaceTimes him or something, or you know, does all this stuff. So the cast is going to be interesting. It's going to be Lizzie Kaplan. She's going to be playing Alex and then connected it back to you know last week when we covered the Mighty Ducks, Joshua Jackson, the kid who played Charlie in the Mighty Ducks, is going to be playing Dan Gallagher, the Michael Douglas role. <laughs> that blew my mind right there.
1: <laughs> I hope that that it's like can- can- canonic. I, you know, I hate canon, but I hope it's tied <laughs> to the Mighty Ducks somehow. Like he <laughs> just has like a Ducks jersey hanging in his uh, in his <laughs> office or something like that. Like that would be pretty sweet. I'm not gonna he, lie. He qu- he
0: quacks though, when he's getting like uh, blown in the fucking elevator. <laughs> quack, quack, quack. quack. <laughs>
1: what happened with your mom and that hockey coach? Well, I thought he was gonna be my dad, but he just kind of hit it and quit it. <laughs> you know that nice emotional connection that they that they then de- did develop. the muddy ducks. Into <laughs> exactly. the muddy ducks. Yeah, that would be a nice little tie-in there. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll see when it, what, what's it going to be streaming on? Do you know?
0: Uh, it's going to be on Paramount Plus. So uh, and then uh, what's her name? I forget. Fuck, I forget who's playing the In Archer role. But regardless, it, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It'll, it'll it'll be. I think it'll work well for a TV show because I feel like that's something that you can even make that even more of a pressure cooker, which just builds up a little bit more throughout the episodes, it a little bit. And more time. you could take more time you know, to develop the characters too, and make it maybe more maybe more understanding why he cheats on his uh family a little bit more because that's the one thing that like. And this, the only reason I can give him is, he was bored. He couldn't and pissed off. He couldn't fuck his wife after they went to that party that night.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that really feels like you know. And there's obviously just a mutual attraction between the two, which yeah. is apparent. But yeah, mm. it like there's no reason that that man should be cheating on his wife. She offers nothing but love and admiration. Mm. But she, Beth has like like a hellish thing. Like she learns that Michael Douglas cheats on her. He moves out. Mm. And then she goes to pick up Ellen at school. Ellen's gone. She's like driving at the school. (laughs) Yeah, she's like driving. She goes into she's like driving, I guess, into the city or something and Mm. gets into a car accident is in the hospital, like kind of takes Dan back because, you know, her brain's like all messed up now. And then she gets home to take a bath. Finally, after leaving the hospital. And Glenn Close is just standing in the mirror with a knife ready to kill her. Like, that's a pretty rough three days. I'm not gonna lie to you, Tommy.
0: So, uh, this is the one question of this movie that uh, I think we, we need to uh ponder about. Do you think after this movie, Glenn Close is dead, do Michael Douglas and the Archer stay together?
1: <laughs> they stay together for like three years, mm. but it just like lingers and then they're gonna get into a fight, and then like it's just gonna be like, well, You cheated on that you cheated on me with that woman that tried to kill me so you know kind of a trump <laughs> card like he can never win an
0: argument ever again exactly that's it that's it right there it's like remember when you uh like fucked that girl who like uh stole our kid and like went to playland like
1: <laughs> who murdered our that dance who murdered our kids rabbit and like yeah. put it in a stew do you remember because you thought with your dick dan <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that?
0: I, I can't imagine that they stay longer together than like a year because I feel like that just like eats up inside so long and they just like, yeah, like not only did he cheat on me, you cheat on me with the most fucking psycho person you could have possibly cheated on.
1: <laughs> I want to showcase a little bit of her craziness when she leaves the tape after she pours the acid on his car and completely ruins it in a, in a parking garage. Hmm. And he's driving home in an Avis rental car and This is the tape.
0: Hello, Dan. Are you surprised?
1: This is what you've reduced me to. I guess you thought you'd get away with it. Well, you (laughs) can't. Because part of you is growing inside of me, and that's a fact, Dan, and you'd better start learning how to deal with it. (laughs) Because, you know, I...
0: I feel you, I taste
1: you, I think you, I touch you. Can you understand, can you? I'm just asking you to acknowledge your responsibilities. Is that so bad? (laughs) I don't think so, I don't think it's unreasonable. And, you know, another thing is that you thought that you could just walk into my life and turn it upside down. I think the interesting thing in this is that she kind of, like, her methods are not correct. But the fact that, like, like her saying is like, you thought you could just use me for a weekend... And then just walk away scot-free. It, she is technically correct in that sense. Like when you break down like that part of the psychiatry of why she's doing the thing. Like the why makes it sense, right? Like mm. which I think is really adds to the film. It's like really smart writing because it blurs the line for the audience to n- figure out who to empathize with. Because like the only character that you really empathize with is Beth. Because she's the loser. <laughs> she's Beth and Ellen are the, the loser. Innocent. They're the losers in this, but, you know, you don't really feel bad for Michael Douglas. You kind of get the sense that he's kind of a slime ball.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, do you think this is the first time he cheated on his wife?
1: Yes, because I don't think he often puts himself in that situation. And I think he just kind of was like, roll, roll the dice, roll the
0: dice. Well, exactly. The, the thing is, at the end of the day, that like, Michael Douglas throughout the movie is just like, come on, Alex, like, we had a deal right here. Like, I thought we knew, understood, why are, you, why are you not playing this chill? You should be just playing this a lot more chill. And, you know, obviously, I'm not condoning Alex's uh, actions right here, but you can see why she lashes out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she kind of just bares her soul to waste in that in that tape. And then she kind of goes off the deep end, which got uh, cut off where she's just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't even think you like women. And then she starts calling them some uh, homophobic slurs that I will not use, mm-hmm. but it starts with an F. And yeah. Her motivation is correct, and I think it's it's a lot of times it's very difficult to get the villains' motivations down packed in these kind of movies. And I imagine most of the imitators, that's where they fail.
0: Yeah, I but I bet they make it just more so, just like this character is just straight up psycho and just like way too unhinged, way too over the top, like almost cartoonish or something like that. And you know, Alex feels for the most part nuanced. I I feel, I feel you know.
1: Yeah, she's a little nuanced. I mean, her actions are not.
0: Yeah, at a certain point, especially but in the final act, it just becomes like she's Mrs. Voorhees with a knife or something like that, you
1: know? Yeah. And I, I think if you took if you, you know, did the sane version of this movie, right? Where he walks into the apartment and they're sitting there and the wife has tissues or whatever, and she just te- like literally that's all that had to happen was he just she just tells the wife to get her revenge and she's totally justified and nobody's like even the stalkery points up to that point and then it's a boring divorce
0: movie (laughs) kramer versus kramer michael douglas the divorce movie (laughs) the unfun michael douglas sex comedy
1: (laughs) yeah the 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 very unfun michael douglas sex comedy
0: i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star
1: i am a big bright shining star So, Tommy, in your opinion, who is the star of the movie? Who gives the best performance, in your opinion?
0: I think that this is Glenn Close's movie uh, at the end of the day. She, I believe in this movie, just has like one of the most iconic 80s villains. One of the best films I feel like we've seen in movies like ever, where it's just a very nuanced role. It's just a very uh, like controlled role where, you know, the whole movie hinges on her. If she is too cartoony, if she's too over the top, this movie doesn't work. and It becomes just like a fucking just campy laugh fest or something. Um, and she's traveled the line very well in this.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it is like the the I uh, you know her like the way the score because it's not really scored all that much, and then just like some notes that like kind of like heavy to emphasize emphasize the emotions more. Like I think it really adds to her performance. Um, and I think it's just the, the way that she keeps her tone very sane all the way through, even though her actions don't match that. Mm. And think about like one of the most chilling moments is when she drops Ellen off back at the house and she goes, Can I get a kiss on the cheek?
0: Mm.
1: Like that's so disgusting when you think yeah, about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just like really disturbing at the end of the day. I mean, like, you know, obviously the last act has that like little moment with the knife or whatever, and that's thrilling in its own way. But I think like one of the moments that really hit me on this rewatch was when she just tells Dan like, I'm pregnant just that alone and just you can see michael douglas's face just immediately being like oh what did i get myself into it's just chilling in the way she says it and just like i'm gonna keep it like you know you have to face your actions michael douglas
1: (laughs) see i don't i still think she might be faking it to be completely honest with you but i don't know i don't know for sure Mm -hmm. but i mean the audiences loved it this movie had a 14 million dollar budget and it grossed close to Three hundred million, I think, for an R-rated movie in the late '80s—that's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: think million.
0: I don't think a movie like this would be, do the same. I mean, like literally, now this is something you'd see on HBO, like like they're doing the Paramount Plus series. You know, this is not the rock thriller. I feel like has gone away, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's, gone it's not away. really. It's yeah.
0: not. It
1: hasn't gone away. Like they still make. They just make bad versions of these movies. It's just that, like. I you know, I was kind of thinking about Top Gun Maverick and I'll, t- I'll tie it back into this, Tommy. And it's that's the fifth highest grossing movie of all time. Do you think that movie was good enough to be the fifth highest grossing movie of all time? Tommy? No, but
0: yeah, it was, I mean, it was a crowd pleaser.
1: I loved it. I loved it. But it, it like the story was a crowd pleaser and it was just yeah. to get you what you wanted. But all mm. it's telling me is that audiences were craving like real action and like real choreography and not green screen nonsense Mm. and like the problem with all these shows because all these studios with the streaming now they're stretched so thin they have to make every dollar count so everything's going to be on these cheap cgi backdrop backgrounds it's not going to look very good so like that's what's going to happen with this like some of the like when he's driving like there he's literally driving on the fdr like i recognized one of the Mm. the um the tunnels that he like went through. Like I've, I've driven through that myself. It like they shot on location. They spent the money. They did the scout locations. Like that doesn't happen in movies and especially in these, you know, adult dramas because they want to keep the budget at $20 million. And you have to yeah, pay so much. So they just spend all their money on, on to, you know, they put all the money on green screens and just some effects for things, but people don't want to go and spend $20 to sit and watch a movie a dramatic movie shot on a green screen they just don't
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean like there's pretty much just the on location shooting right here is just what makes us too so i mean i i love adrian lynn's uh, direction right here apparently um the other people up for directing were like uh brian de palma he was brian de palma was almost gonna direct this movie and then he said i don't want michael douglas to star in this movie and the producers were like no we're going with michael douglas fuck you <laughs> And uh, John Carpenter almost directed this too. That would have been cool, the Carpenter take on this. But I think Carpenter
1: Lynn... would had would have had much more of like a the score would have been much more emphasized in the Carpenter mm-hmm. version. Exactly. And it would have been more. It would have been more horror. Like cause this isn't really horror. It's just thriller.
0: No, it's a thriller. Yeah, I think the Adrian Lynn, like Strauss line very well in this. So, um, but star overall. Glenn Close. I mean, Michael Douglas is good too, but his more is a reactionary performance. I feel like.
1: Yeah, Michael Douglas and Archer are both fantastic in this as well. They keep pace with with Glenn Close, which is what you need to do. But it's it's her, it's her movie, and it's her performance.
0: Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka.
1: <laughs> Tommy would. Tommy would. Fatal Attraction work as a Muppet adaptation? I mean, they did shoot Muppets Take Manhattan at
0: Playland. Yeah, so th- there is that right there. Um I mean literally all this movie would have to be would be Miss Piggy would be Glenn Close and Michael Douglas would be Kermit. <laughs> and that's literally the fucking movie right there. It's perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just don't think uh, like I'm now I'm just thinking Team America with the Marionettes, right? Like like they'd have to go that over the top, right?
0: <laughs> At the beginning. Like them having sex in the kitchen versus just fucking puppets. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, "Oh, I'm not going to be I can't do it, Miss Piggy." Um Yeah, we can't oh, do Kermit. Kirby, I'm not going to be ignored, Kirby. <laughs> Kirby, don't you ignore me. How is my piggy? Yeah. And Archer would be the human.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Archer is the human, just so you emphasize, like, Ann Archer, why are you married to a muppet?
0: <laughs> don't even discuss it whatsoever. So. Yeah. Oh, no. You
1: just, like, the, the Ellen's just, like, half, mu- like, muppet bottom, human
0: top. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, that wouldn't work. The hybrid, the, hy- the hybrid right there. Yeah, I, exactly. I think it's
1: safe to say that this movie would not work as a Muppet adaptation. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Tommy, review time. Give me your score out of five. All
0: right. Uh, so, you know, this is the second time I watched this movie this year. Um, I'm really caught up in the Michael Douglas of it all. But I think that Glenn Close just gives such a great nuanced performance right here and just a really all time villain right here. And the direction I think really keeps this movie engaging. And, you know, while a lot of this is just talking, you're just engrossed throughout. And I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5. This movie, I think, is a really fun rewatchable. And it's just crazy just seeing how it plays out over and over again.
1: All right. All right. Yeah, I am I think I'm between a 3.5 and a 4 out of 5. Um, I get very awkward when the protagonist is... I don't always love when the like, I I need my protagonist. I need to be able to latch on to him. And obviously, within the first 10 minutes of the movie, he makes a decision that makes it very difficult for you to latch on to him. But I think I'm going to go 3.5 out of 5. And it's just more of a personal taste than anything. This is an excellent movie. Well directed. Uh, Michael Douglas gives a great performance. Glenn Close gives an iconic performance. It it really is a pressure cooker. um, And it lasts all the way through to the end of the movie. For me, I think it could have used a little more into why Michael Douglas has the affair. It's just like this looming question of just like you have this perfect family life. Like why would you do this, man? And we don't get anything of that. And like we could have used one minute of him explaining it to to Jimmy or something like that.
0: I I just think that like that one scene of like him trying to about to have sex with his wife, and he's very excited, and then the kid jumps into the bed, and he's just like. Oh, just for the one night and just that he's just tired and exhausted of his family life and he misses like the excitement and Glenn Close was that spark. Unfortunately, it was the right. Um, not the right spark, but was a spark.
1: Yeah, not not the greatest spark. Um, You know, maybe perform worse, Michael Douglas. That would be my recommendation to you if you're going to have an affair <laughs> is to be bad at sex. And then that way, the woman never wants to talk to you again. One way. That's one way to do it for sure. All right. Tommy, any final thoughts?
0: <clears throat> all right. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And uh, while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. really helps out the show. And uh, next week, we're doing a Thanksgiving classic, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles.
1: Woo! Chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-choo-choo. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles next week. Thank you all so much for listening.